is Digital Marketer. This week, it's Jacob Eisenberg. Hello, and welcome to the Digital Marketer Podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Snavely, and today we're talking about franchise marketing. I sat down with Jacob Eisenberg. He's the Director of Marketing for Tent World Automotive Styling Centers, and they have over 60 franchises worldwide. We get into a few things in this episode. First, a little bit about how they're doing digital marketing in the auto industry. Next, a lot of bit about aligning marketing strategy across franchises. And we also at the end get into what they're doing to get to their goal of 300 franchises by 2025. If you're in the hyperlocal world of franchises, this one's for you. Enjoy. So Jacob, I'm really excited to have you on the podcast and hear more about, you know, franchise marketing and automotive marketing. Where did you start your love for marketing? Where did that all begin? My first job was at a movie theater when I was in high school. I started off sweeping up popcorn in movie theater aisles and taking tickets. And uh, I eventually worked my way up to concession. And it was a concession that I really fell in love with the world of marketing and advertising. I'll never forget the special of the week was always a large popcorn and two medium drinks. Got you a free refill on your popcorn and a free candy of the month. (laughs) I always took notice of the POP that would come in every month and promote that local candy. And I always thought it was really interesting how they had some sort of a partnership to promote their products, right? And the concept of upselling and in a weird way, understanding consumer behavior, like when a customer comes in and what they're looking for and what complements with what. And I always found that really fascinating. So as I went through high school, I was really fortunate and I found an internship opportunity at an advertising agency down here in South Florida. That experience was amazing. I had the opportunity to work for some really big brands and it was an eye-opening, incredible uh, opportunity. It really was. I was very fortunate. Following that experience, it really made me dead set on, this is what I want to do. I want to do marketing and advertising. I graduated from Florida Atlantic University studying marketing and actually I double majored in marketing and business management. And graduating from college, it was actually a really tough time in the economy and it wasn't very easy to find a job. But fortunately, that internship really helped me out Mm. and gave me the in back at the advertising agency which is honestly, that's the only place I wanted to work anyway. So it was perfect for me. And I was there for about four years and I jumped right back into it again. I started off working for a lot of national automotive accounts, followed by working my way up to a national home builder. And then finally, the majority of my time there, it was a really cool opportunity. I had the chance to bring on Party City and Office Depot and work on those accounts, which was really cool. And so that's what gave me that kind of spark And I actually ended up opening up my own advertising agency, digital marketing and advertising, traditional advertising agency. And so I had that business for a couple, actually, I still have it now. I started it back in 2014. And through that opportunity, then that had connected me to here, being here at Tent World. And like I was saying, I've been at Tent World for about a year and a half now. It's really been a cool opportunity and a cool experience. (laughs) I love cars. I'm a big car fan. And marketing as well. So this is yeah. really like a peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> you got your chocolate and my chocolate peanut butter. peanut butter. You got your cars in my marketing. 
there's so much there that my little like diggers want to dig into. I'm like, oh man, like so many things, but listeners, I'm doing it. I'm sticking to franchise marketing. I'm gonna freaking do it, but there's so much here. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that. Like number one, what makes automotive service marketing different from other forms of marketing? What's your buyer? What are you looking to do? One of the really fascinating aspects is that there's really no cookie cutter customer or target demographic universally. Every market is truly different and unique. And that's my favorite part about working here is that it never gets boring because there's always something unique every single time we open a new location. You never really know what it is that you're going to get. You might have a perception based on analytics and kind of doing your homework for that market, of course, before you enter into it. However, it's not until you've actually had 60 days, 90 days, maybe even your first year before you really get a feel for, okay, this is actually my true roots demographic. With regard to platforms, I found that engagement levels and response rates also differ based on demographic and also geographic locations. So for example, in the Northeast, the example I always use, there's always different types of customers, right? And, and doing a little self-psychoanalysis, I found that I'm more mm. of an intent-based consumer. If I, <laughs> little uh, <laughs> full disclosure here, I guess, but I will use the same toothpaste. I will use the same deodorant mm-hmm. every day for the rest of my life. So God <laughs> forbid it is discontinued. And then if I go into the grocery store and it's discontinued one day, <laughs> I have a mini panic attack. And then I spend the next 20 minutes popping off lids of deodorant caps or whatever. And I'm like, okay, what is going to be me now? Like, how am I going to... It's an intense decision. (laughs) Yeah. However, there's also Mm -hmm. the impulse-driven consumer. Those are the people that maybe will hear a commercial in the car on the way home and they're hungry. And then subconsciously, all of a sudden, after listening to that McDonald's commercial, they stop Mm -hmm. in at the drive-thru and grab food on the way home. And it's not until after they've eaten, if they even realize it at all, that they're like, whoa, that was really crazy. I didn't want McDonald's, but I just, I didn't even think about it. You know, I found that There are some consumers out there that are more, say, socially influenced from an impulse standpoint. You know, they could be looking at things in their newsfeed and then all of a sudden, boom, they see an ad that comes up for Tent World for a ceramic coating opportunity. Or maybe they see a car that's decked out in the latest stereo system or lighting kits or, you know, rim and tire package and it's just gleaming, you know, and all of a sudden they go, you know what? That's awesome. I want to do that to my car. And we love those types of customers. Again, we have a very high level of interaction with those types of consumers uh, on all of our social media platforms. But then we also have another type of consumer, and that's the type of consumer that is more intent-based. So they're going to be searching something like, you know, best tint in the area, or where can I get, you know, the cheapest remote start for the best quality or highest performance, you know, rims or whatever that category search might be. We have over 3,700 different keyword categories in our PPC campaigns, and we're very proud of our strategy that we've built up over time. It's kind of our secret sauce. That number continues to increase week by week, month by month. And as far as our targeting methods are concerned, we really pride ourselves on the way that we're ranking organically for all of these categories. Uh, We work really hard to keep our content fresh on all of our websites, all of our individual store landing pages, the social media content that we'll put out there is changing every single month. As I'd introduced you to a couple of people on the team, you know, they all manage different roles. We've got our marketing manager and she's really spearheading all of our social media content rollouts or maybe our our long-term strategic planning when it comes to holiday events. 
and our graphic designer pairs all of those initiatives with really cool, inspiring imagery and visual designs that can go along with all of those pushes that were those initiatives that we push out. So it really is a team effort here. And it's really, it's very rewarding to see something go from start to finish and have everyone's hands on deck to to make that happen. So really, it's like, y'all are hyper local, right? And it's like very dependent on the area the franchise is serving. But then you also have Mm -hmm. like your national brand that your team is taking care of. What are the franchise owners agreeing to or what are you giving them? How are you making sure that y'all are in alignment? As far as working in tandem, working in step is concerned, we have what we call a, it's basically an NAF, a national advertising fund. And that fund supplements at a very base level all of the advertising that we'll do on PPC and social platforms, amongst other initiatives, but primarily PPC and social initiatives. And really what that drills down to is it gets them set up on Google ads for search, display, whatever various mediums that we're advertising on for them, as well as the social side of things. So Facebook and Instagram, a little bit on Twitter as well, and various other platforms that we have mixed into that. And that's all great. It really is. But those posts are scheduled in advance on a monthly basis. Um, and that's part of what our marketing manager takes care of. That content is written and then loaded into a platform that helps schedule it out in advance so that even the franchise owners who, with all respect to them, these guys are, are really masters of the craft. But at the same time, some of them may have a tenuous grasp when it comes to advertising techniques, right? And that's a really special experience for me personally. It's not a responsibility that I take lightly or that any of us take lightly here. We truly are consultants and we view ourselves as such. We're trusted with somebody's Mm -hmm. lifetime investment to buy a business, support their family. And as such, we provide advice, insight, dedication of of our time and effort as if it was our own business. We really do. And so anyway, after they've gotten all of their uh, content scheduled out, we'll have a conversation with them and coach them on, hey, listen, you know, maybe some before or after videos might work really well in your market, given the fact that you're looking to capture maybe a, you know, a certain uh, age bracket or income bracket demographic. In this local market, we've seen results comparatively with A, B, and C other competitors, maybe, or other businesses in the market, or perhaps maybe we've got another franchise that's in the state or in the region. Uh, that's had success in A, B, and C endeavors. And then maybe that would be a good parallel for you to pick up on as well. And with our operations managers, they provide a little bit of assistance as well for us. So the operations managers each have about 20 to 25 stores in in a portfolio, if you will. And that portfolio is intimately managed every single day. These guys are calling stores, if not visiting them in person, saying, hey, how's your sales coming? What can I help you with? So it's kind of like you are an ad agency for a ton of the same business, <laughs> but there's just none of them are competing. And that makes it a lot easier as you are doing a little bit of it for them, but at the same time, giving them a lot of tools to do a little for themselves. What are you finding that's working for auto stuff? So you said before and afters, I think that's pretty huge. Like getting to see, you know, the, the results of something. Yeah. How to connect with your market, right? How to make sure that your message is resonating well with your, your target consumer. So there's really no 
one size fits all approach. Like I was saying before, you know, it depends on the market. If our market is very heavily socially oriented, I guess, then what we found is getting some Facebook campaigns created tend to be very effective. We have campaigns set up, like I was saying before, on various social platforms. Facebook tends to be our, our bread and butter, our meat and potatoes, if you will. And as such an extension, Instagram as well being part of that Facebook network. However, when it comes to intent-based platforms, Google obviously being the number one search engine out there as far as performance is concerned for us, we've put a myriad of search display, mobile video campaigns out there, especially on the YouTube network as well. We have an in-house videographer that flies out to every single location for every grand opening that we ever do for all of our stores, which is really great. He's very talented. And the work that he does is fantastic. It really is awesome. And he will basically create out of thin air whatever the element is that we need to insert. So if it's for social and it's a 15-second cut, all I got to do is sit down with him and put the order in and say, listen, this is what I need. And you know, I turn around an hour later and he's cooked up exactly what it is that we're looking for. And we turn around and load that right on the platform. On the other hand, if we're trying to get, again, back to Google, as far as intent-based platforms or programs are concerned, if we're trying to get some sort of a search campaign set up on PPC, we absolutely can create a very targeted approach, whether it's a competitive bidding program, if we're trying to hone in on a particular demographic or focus on a particular set of services. Tesla's Jeeps right now are really hot and popular in the industry. We found a really like a cult-like almost following with those types of consumers. So that's a very popular category for us. We're really trying to stay on top of things and keep our fingers on the pulse there. When that Cybertruck came out by Tesla, <laughs> Elon Musk's Cybertruck, that was really cool. That really had a huge shockwave in our market as well. You know, customers are, are already calling us saying, I want to be your first, you know, tin job when I get the Cybertruck. Oh, that's awesome. What does your like main acquisition funnel look like? Like when someone types you in, what action are you trying to get them to take first? So our number one objective, one of our favorite desirable metrics that we like to look at is conversion counts, obviously, just like everybody else does. I think that one of the common misconceptions or maybe disconnects, though, is that sometimes people interpret conversions as their bottom line figure that they need to look at. And I personally think that they can be fairly misleading because although conversions from a PPC campaign might be promising, they're only as good as the salesperson that's capable of being able to convert that customer when they walk through the door. And so that's really why I think it's a bucket brigade and we need to make sure that every hand is, is strong in terms of passing things down the line. But at the same time, I would say if I had to pick a particular objective, it would be phone calls. That's really our number one thing. We like to make sure that the phone is ringing in the stores. While a full form lead is definitely a close second in terms of desirable outcome or engagement, metric, it's sometimes lost in translation where they feel like they're calling on a lead. Maybe they're nervous or they don't really know how to speak to the consumer properly or whatever that situation might be. Whereas if the phone call's coming in, they're just going to pick up the phone and they just go right into that mode. Mm. It's somebody who's, it's a fish on the hook, so to speak. It's what we say, you know, and <laughs> you got to reel them in right then and there. Whereas if it's a full form lead and they got to call that person, oh, I missed them or that person's already called, you know, three other stores maybe in that short term that, you know, it's only been an hour and a half, but all of a sudden they've already spoken to two other tin shops and maybe the job's already done unless you're, you know, jumping on it right away. They have the ability to slip through your fingers. So mm. as far as the funnel goes, the customer through one platform or medium or another is exposed to an ad. 
they click on that ad, they get redirected to that store's landing page. After they view all the services and products that are available for that store, they click on the uh, click here to schedule an appointment or request a quote. They fill out the form, submit it. It goes right into our system. The owner immediately gets notified that that customer has placed or that prospect has placed an inquiry or provided a lead form. Mm. And then that owner or his or her staff are tasked with then following up immediately with that customer to schedule an appointment or answer any questions that he or she might have. And that's really the way the process goes. So there's no particular offer that like converts better that you're trying to drive people to like tenting or lining or anything like that. It's just kind of you just want to make sure they get to the site. They have a reason for being there and form or call. Yeah. I mean, if I had to say, I'll put it to you this way. Like mm-hmm. as far as the vehicle wrap category is concerned, hands down, that's our number one engaging service. Mm-hmm. That category gets clicks and calls all day long. It's our most expensive globally, our most expensive category. And owners more often than not are getting calls for that particular service. However, I would say that right now, wraps have been introduced into the industry, into the ecosystem quicker than the consumer's understanding or perception of value Mm. has had time to increase along with it. And more specifically, what I mean by that is is that, unfortunately for right now, what I've seen in the industry is, is that when it comes to vehicle wraps, they can be, you know, a fairly expensive service, but I would say that there's a couple of different types of customers, but the one that I think personally we need to work on this and try to take lead on this is how to educate this type of customer. And that's somebody who's maybe fresh out of high school or maybe mm-hmm. early into their college experience. And let's say they have, you know, a 10 year old car and it has, you know, 300,000 miles on it. And they call up the tent world saying, Hey, you know, I don't have enough money to paint the car. So I'll just, you know, I got a few hundred bucks. Let me just get a wrap. Mm-hmm. And you know, what ends up happening is, is as soon as they, they finish picking their jaw up off the floor after the owner has told them how much that service is going to cost them, <laughs> they immediately hang up the phone and there's nothing that that owner is going to be able mm. to say to that customer to be able to retain them. And it's not the customer's fault. It's not the owner's fault. I personally would accept responsibility for that because we need to do a better job of educating the customer and making sure that they understand that there's value that's associated in that service. And if that customer is coming to the owner with a false expectation or perception or understanding of the Mm -hmm. value of that service, then we as a marketing team and me as a director of the department, again, I accept responsibility for it, haven't done our job as well as we could have, right? You know, so we have to figure out how to be able to identify with the right type of clientele and customers, where uh, at the same time, also educating those customers to say, hey, we want to make sure you understand, like, you know, this is what goes into it. And this is these are the ingredients for that, for that recipe that you're looking for, you know? Yeah. And I I think that's something that probably so many people listening right now can relate to because, you know, everyone has that, that high priced item or that work intensive item with the margins aren't going to be the highest, but the value is, you know, it's incredibly valuable piece of work. It's all about, all about educating that customer and getting them to understand that, that perception. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a, a story out there that talks about a, an older man who fixed machines, fixed clocks or whatever it was. And this customer calls this older man and says, my, my clock's not working. My machine's not working. Can you fix it? And the old man draws a big, he looks at it for a second. He draws a big black X on the side of the machine, pulls a hammer out of his, his bag, and he hits it twice as hard as he can. It takes him 30 seconds. Turns around and passes the customer an invoice for $10,000. And the customer says, whoa, you were only here for 30 seconds. I don't understand why you're charging me so much money. And the 
you know, the repair guy says, well, you're not paying me for my time here. You're paying me for the time that I've invested in learning my craft, you know, and trying to be able to, you know, and quite frankly, you wouldn't have a machine without me mm-hmm. fixing it. So I think that that really does ring true in the industry, you know, and, and not for nothing, but as far as the franchisees that we have and the services that they do provide, it's really cool the diversity that we have amongst our franchisees. And I'm not just talking about, you know, personalities wise, although that's really cool too. <laughs> but, you know, in terms of their how they've adapted, almost evolved for their own demographic market, right? And what I mean by that more specifically is we've got a an interesting spectrum of franchisees on the high end of certain services. We have franchisees who are more low margin services that run high frequency, uh, high ticket jobs. And they focus on the customers coming in and getting them in and out all day long. Whereas there are other locations that we have on the other end of the spectrum that are just as profitable, but they have a much more niche connection with their customers. Those customers, for example, we've got uh, locations where some of these guys have one in 12 cars. You know, they're literally race cars that will come in and, you know, the owners of these locations maybe don't focus more on the economically conscious customer as much as somebody that they know they'll bring the job to once to get done and it'll be quality work that'll last a lifetime. And that's really important, obviously, to the customer as much as it is the owner. So hmm. it really is a wide spectrum, a diverse spectrum of owners and in turn their their demographic markets or their markets for their customers. Well, that kind of leads us directly into the other thing I wanted to bring up, which is marketing as like a national brand to people who you want to open a franchise. So if your goal is to hit 300 by 2025, yeah, how are you getting to that goal? As far as growth is concerned and our growth plans are concerned, we have a team of people here who are tasked with franchise development. We have people who are literally going out every single day and putting feelers out there. We also have relationships with certain broker networks and franchise acquisition networks. People that are looking to buy a business will be a part of this network. It's, it's really interesting, the model. There are people who basically will join these networks saying, hey, I'm looking to buy a franchise within the next six months. They'll go online. Maybe it's Google, <laughs> intent-based, right? And they'll search for best franchising networks uh, or something along those lines, right? those companies will pop up and in turn, they'll say, oh, thank you very much, Mr. Prospect. Let me get all, or Mrs. Prospect, let me get all of your information. They'll enter in all that information and essentially create a profile. That profile then gets submitted into their network where on the other end, buyers such as ourselves are looking to acquire those types of leads, which is kind of interesting because it kind of piggybacks on my days from working in the lead acquisition mm-hmm. network side of things back in affiliate marketing. But Anyway, as far as prospecting is concerned, we will acquire those leads either through direct purchase. We'll also do email campaigns. We'll do web banners that'll get set up all over these networks as well. And again, we'll also incentivize brokers to be reaching out to us as well on their behalf and provide us with those leads. We attend conferences all the time. Actually, the rest of our team just got back from attending a show, IFA, uh, the International Franchise Association. This was Mm -hmm. in Orlando. And it was an excellent show where they had an opportunity to really network with a lot of other CEOs of other franchises and kind of exchange tips and tricks a little bit along the way. So anyway, we do a lot of campaigning in the digital world for that as well. 
We have PPC campaigns that are set up, social campaigns that are set up just as much as we would for our franchisee side of things. We have the franchisor side of things. I call it the B2B and B2C side of things. So our B2B campaigns are set up with, again, social PPC campaigns, email blasts, web banners and display banners that we'll have set up. And then again, lead acquisition or, or brokering. So we really try to diversify ourselves as much as possible. And we're trying to increase our conversion rates every day. I just actually had a conversation about this earlier this afternoon in front of the coffee machine <laughs> where we were talking about, yeah, we were talking about how to lower our cost per conversion and increase our overall lead counts for the, for the year, for the last 12 months. And what we can do in terms of testing as well to try to experiment with new options. We've been really fortunate in the sense that having my own business, I've certainly had my conversations with Google and with Facebook, but it was always more at a customer service, customer support level. And fortunately, being here at Tint World, having the opportunity to have so many more resources, so to speak, at my fingertips, working with everyone, it's been a real awesome experience in a sense that Google and Facebook contact us you know, on a fairly regular basis. And they'll just say, hey, we want to get 60 minutes with you and we want to pick your brain about A, B, and C. Do you have time? Can we do some sort of a web chat? My last conversation was about two weeks ago. We were talking with Facebook about some new opportunities for Facebook Messenger and some of the ways that we can get new leads coming in. It's just really interesting, some of the strategies that they're trying to employ and roll out, which it's cool to be able to say, hey, we saw that three months ago or six months ago, and now it's here. So again, we're, we're humble in the sense that we recognize our size, but we're also really proud of what we've come so far with thus far. And we really are, um, we're confident in ourselves to hit that 300 figure by 2025. So That's awesome. We're kind of getting to the end of the hour. So I want to make sure to get to the last question oh boy. that we ask everyone. <laughs> but before I do that, where can people find out more about you, more about Tent World, more about franchises? Where can they contact you? All that good stuff. You guys can view anything you'd like to about Tim World at www.timworld.com. For those that are interested in more information about buying a franchise, you can visit www.timworldfranchise.com. In the About Us section, there's a, a whole breakdown of all the staff here. Myself and my colleagues are all listed on there as well. You're welcome to find me on LinkedIn. I would love to answer any other questions that might come through. I'm always available to answer anything that comes through. And at the same time, I'd love to get a chance to network with other people and learn more about their industries as well. Cool. So the very last question I have is, if you could go back in time and tell the you when you started this marketing journey, back when you were hawking popcorn, (laughs) (laughs) if you could tell that version of yourself anything at all, what would you say? I would say to my future self or to if I were going back in time and then looking at myself, I'd say trust the process. I would say read that article, pick up that magazine and and try to understand the latest industry trends. It truly, not to sound cliche, but it really is all about thinking outside the box, right? So there's so much constant development in terms of the digital infrastructure and the digital ecosystem that, that we are in right now, you know, whether it's 5G coming out and all of the different ways to be able to harness the benefits of that technology or the newest social platform like TikTok mm-hmm. that just really exploded out of nowhere and all of the popularity that's amassed suddenly with, with that particular platform, right? So I would say, you know, not so much focusing on playing it safe, but just, you know, um, I don't want to say go with the flow, but again, trust the process in terms of 
whatever is supposed to happen is supposed to happen. I think that getting a chance to experiment and test things out is really what lays the foundation and the groundwork for your future, right? If you if you study people like Elon Musk, for example, that had all of these really cool ideas and thoughts that just popped up out of nowhere. And as he continued to try to launch all of these different companies, there's so many, there are so many really interesting and fascinating people out there that didn't necessarily succeed that very first time. And they continue to change their roles and really evolve themselves in in their world and learn more about themselves as time went on. And I would say that we're so focused sometimes on holding ourselves to these hyper specialized standards, right? And trying to make sure that we're in this this metric of success that's measurable and such a tight standard all the time. And, you know, am I doing this right? Am I questioning myself? And I'm trying to make sure that I'm doing everything right because, you know, and, and it's really not about that as much as it is just being in that moment and taking comfort in the fact that whatever will be, will be, you know, and I think that I feel really lucky and fortunate and blessed to, to be where I'm at. And there's so much more room that I feel like I have to grow in terms of where things are taking us with this franchise. And it's really exciting to be able to have the opportunity to employ some of these, you know, experiments, sometimes to test things out and see what works. So that's what I would say. And I'm sure that, you know, again, I, I'd like to think that if I said myself that, you know, 10 years ago, that hopefully I'd still be in the exact same, same place. You know what I mean? So anyway, that's where I would go with that. I yeah. love it. I absolutely love that. Jake, but this is so awesome to talk to you about. I mean, I feel like we talked about a lot of everything, (laughs) kind of got to a lot of good stuff, but especially just, you know, franchise stuff and and figuring out how to not only expand your business, your brick and mortar business in in new, really exciting ways um, that maybe some people listening have not thought about or were scared about. And then also just like making sure that people are aligned and that you're giving you're giving those franchise owners like the best possible experience and yeah just making it happen thank you so much for for your time it's been a real real pleasure and it's been a real honor to to get a chance to speak with you today i feel like as i'm speaking to you i'm getting that much more charged up about you know going right back to it and getting more experiments out there so um, you know please uh keep in contact with us and you know hopefully we can speak again real soon yeah yeah we'll have to catch up and do some of the other stuff that we talked about that we're like no i'm not gonna do it Yeah, to everyone listening right now, thanks so much for a little bit of your day each week. It means so much to us. If you like this episode, give us a review. Subscribe. I don't know, all the stuff you do for podcasts. You've probably heard it all before. <laughs> Buy Blue Apron. I don't know. <laughs> they're, they're on everything. Yeah, we'll have an awesome, awesome weekend. See you same time, same place next week. Bye. Hey, DM listeners, if you're running a Black Friday or Cyber Monday special, listen up, because Digital Marketer just released our Canva holiday promo pack. It includes almost 200 templates that you can use to make the graphics for all your upcoming holiday specials and three unique design themes for each holiday. The promo pack is usually $27, but you can get it today for free. Check the show notes for the link to download, or you can go directly to digitalmarketer.com forward slash LP forward slash holiday templates. That's digitalmarketer.com forward slash LP 
forward slash holiday templates.